Hello friends, this is Matthew, the Trinity Eastside pastor, and welcome to the Trinity Podcast. I'm going to read today from Romans 14, uh, the first 12 verses of the chapter. It's a strange little section, so get ready um, for us to talk about some weird stuff. But actually, I, I'm i so excited to talk about this. It feels so relevant to the moment you and I are living in right now, and I believe that God has a word for us in it that can help us navigate these very complex and sometimes um, divisive waters that we are living in. So, Romans 14. We'll read, we'll pray, we'll jump in. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. And who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they will stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. Those who observe the day observe it in honor of the Lord, and those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God while those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died, and lived again, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or your sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or your sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each of us will be accountable to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you that it's uh, that it lives, and that the Spirit speaks through it, and we pray now, God, that these ancient words dealing with what was in that day a, a current event or a relevant um, pressing need in the church, that those words would come rushing into our context today and speak to the moment in which we are all listening to this podcast. We ask, God, that you would help us to hear you, Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this text is dealing with division that was happening in the church. In fact, so much of Romans is actually dealing with division that was happening in the church. It's the backstory of of really what led Paul to write the letter in the first place. Um, They were experiencing um, points of tension and friction, and we can certainly relate to that, right? I mean, we live in a deeply divided day. In fact, it's almost an obnoxious cliche now to describe our time as a polarized uh, time. Um, But it's just the best word that we really have to describe how so many of us feel like we live on the opposite end of the spectrum from so many other people. And I've talked to so many people even in the last few weeks ever since George Floyd's murder and, and how the racial reckoning conversation has been stirred up freshly and uh, wonderfully in our country, but the number of arguments I've heard about and fights with between family members and neighbors and friends 
Um, cancel culture has been in the news recently, and cancel culture is nothing new. I remember when I was growing up, the evangelical church canceled Harry Potter, and now it's liberal progressives who are canceling Harry Potter um, because of things that the author has said. And either way, it's 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 just it's this idea that like I don't like you, I don't like what you're saying, and so I'm going to dismiss you, I'm going to discredit you, I'm going to get rid of you. And that's the day we're living in, where we can just simply say, like, oh, I don't like this. I don't, I don't agree with what you've just said, so I'm going to cancel you. I'm going to imagine that you don't um, exist. Now, the question is, is how do we do this in the church? Not how do we cancel people. How do, how do we live in the midst of this moment? What is it? What is this calling us to? Well, the first thing to note, uh, as we see here in Romans 14, is that division in the church is as old as the church itself. It's not new. In fact, in this context in Romans, we see that they were arguing over several things. They were arguing over worship practices. They were arguing over theology. They were arguing over politics. And it turns out, 2,000 years later, we are still in the church arguing about worship practices and theology and politics. And it shouldn't surprise that these sorts of divisions create uh, exist in the church because Jesus, when he called the disciples, he specifically did not call a homogenous group of people. He had, on one hand, uh, a, a, a Jewish tax collector who was viewed by his peers as a turncoat, a sellout who was exploiting and fleecing his own, his own ethnic people so that he could fill the coffers of Rome. Meanwhile, you had in that same group of 12 people, think about how small 12 people is, And that same group was a Jewish zealot, a radical insurgent revolutionary who was trying to overthrow uh, Rome's violent occupation with their own violence. There was rich and poor, successful and and destitute. There was devout and nominal uh, faith-keeping people in this group. All of them, this was the 12 people, they ate meals together almost every day with people who they would never have anything in common with if it were not for this Messiah in the center of their gatherings. Division is not new in the church. It is old, it is as old as the church. And so Paul says, we need to remember when we pass judgments on another person in, our, in the church, we are passing judgment on God's servant. And who are you, he says, to pass judgment on the servant of another? Later in the text, he says, same idea. He says, when we pass judgment on our brothers and sisters, on our siblings, we are accusing God's children, our siblings, This last week in EHS, or I guess the chapter we're reading this week, um, Jenny mentioned it on the Eastside Sermon this past Sunday, but Martin Buber is quoted by Pete Scazzaro, and Buber gave, um, he was a a Jewish philosopher, psychologist, thinker, and he gave the world a wonderful little phrase that for me is just so helpful and profound. He described the difference between two kinds of relationships, what he termed I-thou relationships versus I-it relationships. Basically, the idea is that typically there are two ways to relate to a person. One, I can, I can think of you as a person, as a thou, a person with a history and so on. Or I can diminish you, I can, I can cheapen you, I can flatten you into an ideology, I can make you an it, I can objectify you. And oftentimes for me to be able to discredit in order to cut you off or to pull away from you, I have to first make you into an it. And that is what at least is happening in our own day and age. If you think about the divides, even among God's children in the church, the divides along political lines right now, and how sharp those lines are, how, how violent and vicious those lines are that are dividing us from one another. 
And what Paul says is, it's like, who are you? Who am I to judge the servant of another? It is before their Lord that they will rise or fall, he says. And then he goes on immediately to say, and they shall be upheld. Why? Because God is able to make them stand. In other words, they will stand not on the merit of their ideas any more than you will stand on the merit of your ideas. Because the thing that enables you to stand is the same thing that enables them to stand, and that is God. It is not the rightness of your thinking. It is not the purity of my convictions. It is not the consistency in my ethic. But it is the love of God for me through Jesus Christ that is my ability to stand. And so Paul says, there are people who you're going to disagree with. And yet they are going to be able to stand before God just as you are able to stand. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that convictions don't matter? Does that mean that the things that they were arguing around about in Rome, that they're inconsequential? You know, whether or not to keep a Sabbath, whether or not to follow certain ceremonial laws or not. What political party should you be affiliated with? Are these things inconsequential? By no means. They're not inconsequential. In fact, he goes on to say in the next paragraph, be fully convinced in your own mind. And I love that because he is clearly not saying that what you think and what I think doesn't matter. He's saying, no, it matters. It matters deeply. Be fully convinced in your own mind. In other words, it is a Christian duty for you and me to do the hard work of thinking long and hard enough about a thing until you know what you think about it. You need to be, and I need to be convinced. It's not enough to just say, I don't know. I I haven't thought about it. Be convinced in your own mind. And yet Paul is clearly paving a way for us in which you and I can be convicted of a thing and not cut off another person. He says another place, those who abstain, abstain to the Lord. Those who eat, eat to the Lord. Those who keep the day, keep it to the Lord. Those who abstain, keep it to the Lord. In other words, he's like, there are multiple ways to live a life and for God to receive honor from it. Now, that is a hard thing for some of us. I think that's a hard thing for me to believe sometimes. But he says, very simply, there are, there are people who can be on opposite sides of a thing and can both be doing so in an attempt to honor God, and God can receive honor from that. Now, listen, I know that, that I, I probably could spend 45 minutes unpacking that idea, and I probably should because that's a little bit too open. I hope you have listened to me enough to know what I'm not saying by that. Um, but what Paul is getting at essentially in in our ideology is that this is not a call to rigidity, but it is a call to be clear, full conviction, but to be humble, to be humble, not to hold your things loosely like they don't matter, but to be humble with them. Uh, In our day, uh, one of the, you know, the buzzwords of the day is like, is being woke or wokeness. And I'm not going to, I'm not trying to make a comment about wokeness, what that, what that is. But the, uh, the, at the heart of wokeness is just this idea that like, we finally woke up, you know, like we finally see it clearly. Everything before here has been sort of a stage of slumber. And now, now we're seeing things uh, clearly. And, and because we can see things clearly, we can cast judgment and dispersion on all who came before us who were, who were sleeping because we are now, now woke. Now, I think there's a lot of really great things about some of that idea, but I think that the thing that's missing from it is humility. 
I remember four years ago when Hamilton the Musical came out, it uh, it scandalized certain people because it cast, of course, people of color in the roles of the founding fathers and, and other prominent figures in the American Revolution. And at the time, it was radical and revolutionary. Who would ever think to do this and to tell the story this way and, and, and to make it an immigrant story and so on? Well, you know, a number of you are probably aware that two weeks ago, three weeks ago, this this same musical was now released on Disney Plus, and we can all watch it. And the was fascinating is the articles I was reading the week it came out were were mostly throwing shade at Hamilton. Why? Because now it's being accused of glorifying people who shouldn't be honored and glorified. That is the the, the white founding fathers of our country, no matter how they're cast. Now, listen, I'm I'm not taking a side on this. I'm just saying that we essentially, in four years, have become too woke for Hamilton, and that's really that at, at the very least should call you and me to humility. That the things that you and I think right now. There is a very, very good chance that at a previous point in your life, you thought almost 180 degrees differently than you think right now. And the things that you think right now, there's a very good chance that in 10 years, you will see the world slightly or maybe even significantly differently. And there's a very good chance that you and I are a major life event away from having a significant paradigm shift. It doesn't mean that the things that you and I believe and are convinced of don't matter it's a call to humility. It's a call to be able to recognize the things that we have and that we're holding on to. They come from our experience in our life, as is true with every person we encounter. And the question for you and me is, am I able to look at a person who I have sharp disagreements with, whose, whose opinions and thinking on a thing I think is downright dangerous, am I able to thou them? Am I able to believe that that person on the other side of that ideology is a thou as much as I am? And that their life has shaped them into the person they are today. Not only is that going to make it possible for you and I to finally fulfill the commandment of the Bible, which is to love our neighbor as ourself, and our neighbor is, um, as we saw this week in the Good Samaritan, it is the, it is the other It is the person who we have almost nothing in common with. Not only is that going to be necessary for us to finally be able to live into that commandment, but it is also, I would just say, you know, pragmatically, it is the only way you and I will ever win them over to our thinking if that is something you desire. A person is never going to be bullied or cheapened or minimized or dismissed or canceled or cut off into a different way of thinking. No one likes to be strawmanned. No one likes to be objectified. But if, I can, but if I can believe in my heart that you are a thou, and I can listen to you as a thou, and we will be judged not so much for how we have thought or even the beliefs we have held, but for how we have treated one another. And so the question for you and me this week, and as we go into this very difficult season, is just... How am I itting this person, this group, this party? How am I making them into an it right now? And what could change if I could begin to thou them? And so may you, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the love of God, find your heart this week softening, not hardening. Even as your conviction clarifies, may you find your heart softening, so that you and I can walk 
and the pathways of love that Jesus has called us to. Grace and peace to you, friends. You are loved. Hope to see you very soon.